Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Season 5, episode number 7. Um, I didn't get the chance to interview anybody for this week's episode, so what we're going to do is I'm going to replay an old interview that I had with Coach Jim Boone of Arkansas, University of Arkansas at Fort Smith. Um, during the time of this interview, which was several years ago, he was actually coaching at Delta State. Um, so he's going to, he, I think a few times through the interview, he'll mention Delta State and what they did at that time. And even though it was a few years back, I'm sure some of those same principles will apply to what he's doing at the University of Arkansas for Smith. Uh, so this is a, a really good episode. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different than the, than the few interviews I've had uh, during this season because we've been really concentrating on the individual player. And, and Coach Boone in this episode is actually going to talk more about what he does for his team and in, when it comes to skill development and uh, how he does his, his – he prepares for his team and what he does when he has groups or what he, what he does when he has an individual. So this is a really good one. So, But before we get to the um, – before we get to the interview, let me mention a couple of things to you. Uh, my book, The Skill Development Playbook, is out. Um, it is available on my website. If you go to tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book, you can purchase a paperback for $9.99 or you can purchase the PDF for $3.95. The book is also available on Amazon. It's $9.99 for a paperback and $3.95 for the, uh, or $3.99 for the Kindle. Um, if you go to my website, you can see and read about what other coaches think about the about the book. It's really a good book. It's a, it's a great read. It's not a drill book, but it is a book that's going to actually give you some insight and make you and give you some thoughts on how you should actually conduct real skill development and how you uh, can develop players versus just working them out. There's a place for working them out, but this this here is going to talk about actual development. So. Um, here's the interview that I did with Coach Jim Boone. Again, this is a replay from several years ago, but it is a good one and it's still valuable. Once the interview is over with, I will come back on and I will give you all my social media and where you can find me. So let's go ahead and get right into it. The first question I, I want to ask you is, in your own words, what is skill development Skill development, and how important is skill development to the game of basketball? Well, for, for us, TJ, skill development, as I mentioned, is, is extremely important because our thought is simply this. The better job we can do of improving our players individually, the better we will be collectively. And for us, it, it means a lot of different things. Um, but basically, it's the improvement of our players' fundamental uh, skills, whether those be shooting, passing, ball handling, movement within our offense, decision-making and reading the defense, as well as defending and the footwork that goes into being a good defensive player. So those are all the things that, that we try to develop 
uh, with our guys, our players, to make them become better basketball players, and consequently, we become a better basketball team. And that's that's the same thing that you know with me as a skill trainer that that I try to do also, you know, improve their skills, um, make them better for the system that they're playing in, and then as we know, if the individual players get better, then that's only going to help the team, uh, like you say, collectively. So. The next thing I want to ask you is when it comes to your skill development practices or your training sessions, how do you like to get organized or prepared for the workout? Uh, how do you put together those those individual or small group practices for your team? Well, we approach uh, the skill development part of it just like we would approach a practice. Uh, there's a great deal of planning and effort that goes into that because the time that we're going to utilize, we want every second to be accounted for. We don't want guys, our, our whole deal is once you walk out on court, you're going to work. So we don't want guys uh, downtime, so to speak. And, and whether we're using one coach, two coaches, three coaches, uh, managers, whether we're using a couple of players, and we rarely do anything that just involves one player, it's at least going to involve two, or whether we're working with a larger group of four to six or maybe even our entire team. Um, we're we're going to have that period of time planned out and be very uh, organized and detailed in, in the minutes and time that we use. Uh, we try to organize what we do around uh, those uh, fundamentals that I mentioned earlier, ball handling, shooting, uh, offensive movement, which includes decision-making and defensive play. And in the beginning of the year, in the fall, particularly when we're spending much more time on skill development, but let me say this, we do skill development throughout our entire season. We think it's that important. Uh, we don't do as much, obviously, once we get to February and March, but we are doing something with skill development on a daily basis with our players. But early in the year, we want to really focus in on those four fundamentals that I just mentioned and organize our workout uh, around those things. Okay. Yeah. One thing about skill development is you got to be organized. You got to be prepared. You got to kind of know where you want to take that player, even if it's on the short term um, from the beginning of this practice to the end, I want this player to be able to, to do this skill. Uh, and it sounds like that, you're taking what you're doing in your within your philosophy or within your offense or within your defense, and you're applying it to your skill development practices. Is that is is that what I'm hearing? That that's exactly right, TJ. And I think it's important that for us that we don't have guys that are just out there uh, going through uh, that we're not just drilling the drill that we're right. we're drilling to teach a specific skill that's going to connect directly to what we require in our offensive and defensive play. So that's what we attempt to do uh, within our skill development sessions. Yeah, and I think there's a time and place for everything. Uh, if a player needs to improve on certain things, you can have a certain time in the year to work on those skills. But I think it's important that when you're in a team setting to really, even though you're doing individual skills, it's within the team concept. 
Um, now I will say that in the uh, in the fall and and probably more so in the spring when our season is completed, uh, that's when we'll bring in one or two guys. Uh, probably more uh, more so in the spring and and at this level, Division Two, we are not allowed to work with our guys in the summer. Although we try to give them a uh, playbook, so to speak, to take home uh, of the skills that we want them to develop that is going to fit their game and help them to be a better player within our game. Right. But what we try to do in the spring is really work on concepts and have a theme for that day. You know, it's not like we just go in every day and we're going to hit those four fundamentals that I mentioned. You know, we may have a young man that in the spring – that the, the key attribute we want to develop with him is his ability to shoot the three-point shot. And so we're, we're going to spend much more time with that young man working on that particular skill so that we are more tailored for the needs of our players as we give them what they need to do over the summer. So when they come back in the fall, hopefully we're going to see um, a great deal of improvement. And that goes to knowing your players and understanding their strengths and their weaknesses and and being able to put something together, particularly, like you said, Absolutely. for them, for them. Absolutely. So when you're prepared, you know what you want to do. Um, how do you like to start your skill development workouts? Is there anything particular that you like to do with your players? We do. And, I, you know, I always tell our guys, and this is just a, an old school thing for me, uh, we don't start our practices and we don't start our skill development sessions with stretching. Uh, that's on them. They've got to do that. We've got a trainer that does a good job of teaching them uh, how to prepare themselves for a workout. And so when, when if the workout is scheduled at 1 o'clock, I expect them to be on the court uh, five, ten minutes prior to that time. When we walk on the court at 1 o'clock, we're going to get started immediately into our workout. Uh, so that any stretching, any loosening up, anything like that that they need to do, they do that on their own prior to that one o'clock start. Now, like a lot of guys, we're not we're not a lot different. When we're doing skill development sessions, it usually always starts with ball handling. I think that's a great way to warm up. It's a great way uh, to get your hands and feet ready. It's a great way to get a feel for the ball and get started. Um, it's a great way to build some intensity into your uh into the workout and that's something that we very much want is is an intense workout so whether we're working with bigs uh post players or we're working with guards uh generally we're going to start with uh ball handling uh off the bat okay now uh let's get into the the four fundamentals and, and you kind of mentioned these and, and we'll let you actually say though your fundamentals again and, and that that you mentioned from the beginning of this interview but now what i want you to do is just kind of tell us those those four fundamentals again but then tell us how you teach those fundamentals to to your players well the the, the things that we're really locking in on particularly in our skill development sessions tj are first of all ball handling uh secondly shooting the third key for us is is movement within our offense, which also incorporates decision-making and reading the defense. And then lastly, uh, defensive fundamentals. And um, I, I'm not sure exactly what your question is, but in, what we try to do with everything that we teach is we, we want a, 
I think it's important as a coach that you brand yourself, that you brand your program. We are a blue-collar, grit-and-grind, tough, hard-nosed basketball program. That's who we fashion ourselves to be. That's what we recruit players here to be. So that even in our skill development sessions, we want that element of grit and grind to be uh, apparent. Um, I, I think it's important, again, that, that you connect with what you're doing offensively and defensively, that you're not just drilling the drill, but you're drilling to develop a skill that is going to connect uh, with the big picture. Um, we want to keep things as simple as possible. I don't, uh, I want to work on specific things. So if, in other words, if we're working with a group and we start that group with ball handling and it's guards, then obviously we're going to incorporate uh, dribbling and uh, doing that not only in a stationary position, which I think is great, but we want to be able to create movement and we want to create competition and we want to have some one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three where it's more game-like. It doesn't do us any good. And, you know, I know a lot of guys talk about this, a lot of skilled guys with coaches. I've got asked this question a number of times. You know, the, the academies, the skill development coaches, the things that you guys are doing are awesome. But a young man's got to be able to put those skills into play. And the only way that you can do that is by playing the game, whether it's three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five. And we have found that three-on-three is a really good way for us to isolate and teach specific skills, but at the same time create some of the same decision-making and movement that's going to occur in the game. Now, let's talk about shooting real quick. Um, when you're when you're doing shooting, doing your skill workouts, are you doing shots that they're going to get out of the offense or their particular, uh, you know, type of shots that you like for them to get in those workouts? What exactly do you do you try to do when it comes to the shooting aspect? Well, absolutely. Uh, we want to create uh, – we, we want to – we want to teach, work, and develop the skills that are going to be connected directly to our offense. So we are working specifically on shots that we would get within our offense. Now, again, I think the spring is a great time for us to uh, try to expand a young man's game and give them things that maybe during the season we didn't want them to do. Like we might have a young man who was not a very good three-point shooter uh, who we didn't allow to shoot the three in a game, but we're going to continue to work on that in practice. We want to drill it in practice, and then specifically, we want to we want to try to expand that opportunity for him to add that to his repertoire uh, as a basketball player shooting the three. And I think the spring and the summer are times when you can really make that happen. Um, I don't like free shooting. I don't like guys just to walk out on the court and start throwing up shots. Um, we're really big into uh, being very organized there. I think shooting needs to have it needs to be competitive. Whether you're setting a time or number of makes, or you're going against a teammate, uh, because that pressure and competition is going to exist in the game. And we try to replicate 
the game as much as we can and make our drills competitive and difficult uh, as much as we can. But I do think that when you're when you begin teaching a specific skill, it's important that you that you take time. You know, uh, I heard Rick Majera say this a long time ago. You don't want to turn the pages so fast that you can't read them. Uh, you know, we want to take the time for for our player, for our young man to learn uh, the skill, uh, then to be able to apply that skill, and then most importantly, be able to take that application into a competitive environment, uh, where, as you well know, when it gets into a competitive scenario, a lot of times all the fundamental skills go out the window, and it's something mm -hmm. that's got to be disciplined and learned and uh, become a part of their game. So we're going to spend uh, a lot of time with shooting, but also doing it in as competitive as environment as we possibly can. Now let's, let's we've been talking a little bit about offense. So let's, let's get into a little bit of defense. When you're breaking down your defense of philosophy and you're doing your, your defensive techniques, how do you like to, to work on that? doing your skill development. And this could be whether you're talking about defense uh, in the preseason or actually uh, during the season. What is it that you like to put emphasis on when it comes to come to defense on an individual basis and as a team? Well, we're definitely going to throw in. We, we are a, as I mentioned, our grit and grind blue collar program. But if, if you ask people what we're most noted for, uh, it would be our defensive play. Uh, so that is a great emphasis for us and for it to be an emphasis, it has to be something that we emphasize throughout the entire year, both in the preseason, during the season, and the postseason. The biggest thing we try to work on in the preseason is the development of our footwork and whether we're teaching closeouts we're seeking leverage for a closeout, uh, maintaining stance and vision and repositioning, defending the basketball, and teaching our players how to stay in front and defend the ball with their feet and not fouling. Those are all small uh, two-minute drills that we like to throw into our skill development workout. So, for instance, we might do ball handling and then do a two-minute closeout drill and then do a shooting segment and come back and do a two-minute uh, sliding footwork drill. Uh, and we're big into push steps. Uh, then we might do something else and come back and do a one-on-one blockout and rebounding drill. So we like to put those defensive drills sprinkled throughout our skill development sessions so that we're still teaching um, and put placing a high degree of emphasis on our defensive play. Now, the only other thing I would add to that is I think it's really important, again, that we're maintaining um, that identity, that we try, to, we try to make our defensive drills particularly um, tough and competitive. Uh, so that we are building that mindset of being a tough, hard-nosed, competitive team. And we're going to do a lot of the same thing um, as we get into practice, but obviously when we get into practice as a full unit, 
we're, we're going to spend a lot more time working on two on two, three on three, four on four uh, defensive play. Whereas in the uh, beginning of the year and at the end of the year, that could be a lot more two on two, one on one, three on three. Now, is there a particular reason why you would maybe slide in a defensive drill uh, throughout the workouts versus saying, okay, we're going to spend the next 10 minutes on defense? I'm really big into uh, pace of play and creating as much pace as we can in practice because that's how the game is played Mm -hmm. Uh, and changing from one thing to the next thing because, as you know, if we don't get to play offense for a quarter and then defense for a quarter, it's the game is a game of flow and it's a game of change up and down the court. So we're trying to replicate that as much as we can and with that being said, I think it also creates a degree, an element of, uh, of freshness for our players because we're not just spending 10, 12, 15 minutes on, on one specific thing. We're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, which keeps them fresh and locked in and focused mentally. And then lastly, um, again, I just think the more – I think a good drill must incorporate some degree of confusion, of chaos that puts them in a situation where they have to think for themselves. They have to make decisions, which is very much like the game, how the game's going to be played. Okay. Now, are all your, you normally typically uh, time all your drills? We do. Players know how much time they have, so uh, uh, how long are you going to be in the drill? Clock. We don't put it on a clock or anything like that. But, like, for instance, we try to keep individual skill development uh, things between five to eight minutes. If it's involving, uh, if it's involving, you know, three on three, four on four, it could be in a five to ten minute range. And then, as I've already mentioned, we have a number of two-minute drills, whether they're defensive-oriented or offensive-oriented that we like to disperse throughout our workout. And we do the same thing in practice. We disperse those two-minute drills throughout our entire practice just to keep the pace of practice moving. Yeah, that was something that I learned years ago uh, from a a mentor of mine. He talked about, you know, putting the time – he would actually put the time up on the clock. Players would know how long they had for their drill. He knew that they weren't going to be – they knew that they weren't going to be in the drill 15, 20 minutes. They knew they were going to be in the drill five minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes, or however long it was, so they can give everything that they have. And I think sometimes coaches will get into a drill and they stay in it too long, and you will lose the player's interest and you use the play, lose the player's intensity, and you have a lot of wasted time by then. So, I would agree with that totally. And as you well know, TJ, there's a lot of different ways to teach and go about um, – uh, working on our game, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be in practice or skill development, and it just comes down to the individual uh, coach, uh, instructor on how they want to go about it. I'm not big on putting the time on the clock, I, but I've known a lot of coaches that are outstanding teachers and coaches that do that. I don't like to put it on the clock because I don't want my guys to be able to pace themselves or to think, um, you know, yeah. I've got too much time left. <laughs> Yeah. And that way, by me making the change and me keeping up with the time, which means I've got to be alert and attentive to it, and I've got to do exactly what you said. I can't allow myself to get caught up 
uh, in the drill to where it lasts longer than it should last, mm -hmm. uh, the teaching uh, uh, moment that we're utilizing, but that we're changing from one thing to the next thing. And I think that's imperative that, you know, you've got to do everything possible to get players to think for themselves. And sometimes we don't want robots. We want basketball players. Right. We want them to be able to think, make decisions, and play. Now, the next thing I want to get into is talking about how you maximize your time and space and making sure players get plenty of reps. If you're doing a in-season skill development workout or even if you're running a camp during the summer, um, how do you make sure that you maximize the time you maximize your space, and the players are getting plenty of reps doing whatever drill it is you may have them do. Well, that's a great question, and it's something that we're uh, that I think is also extremely important. You just have to know what what resources and facilities you have available to you. You know, do you have one court, two courts, three courts? Do you have two baskets, four baskets, six baskets? Do you have assistant coaches? Do you have camp coaches? Um, you know, what do you have available to you? And for us, in the majority of the time, we are trying to, um, we are trying to, we want as small of groups as possible so that we're getting as many reps as possible. So, for instance, if I'm doing a two-on-two -two drill, then I really don't want any more than four or five players involved uh, at that basket. So I've got two guys that are doing the drill and at most three guys watching the drill. Uh, if we're at a camp situation, particularly where you've got large numbers, then we like to have uh, lines where the players who aren't actively involved in the drill are still mimicking what's going on in the drill. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, because I have a, a good friend of mine that coaches at junior high, and he has eighth and ninth grade girls. And that's the issue that he would run into. Uh, we were talking about just doing skill development. He would say that one of the issues that he would have sometimes is he may have 20, 30 girls out there at one time, and it would just be him by himself. And he's trying to get them organized and maximize the, the, the resources that he have and also the time and making sure that the players have their, have those reps. So if there's like a junior high or a high school coach that may not have all the resources, you know, they may not have enough managers or, or assistant coaches, is there anything different that you would do or that they could do to, to try to maximize the reps or the, or the times with the, with the players? That's a really good question as well, and I think that there's a couple different ways to attack that. One would be that you you have your upperclassmen who have a better understanding because they've been through your program of what you're teaching, and they need to help at each of the baskets teaching your underclassmen. That doesn't mean they're not going through the reps as well. They can, but they can also help teach while you as a coach are located more in the middle of your facility where you can see everyone and, and, and have an opportunity to get involved in each group to throw in a teaching point here, a teaching point there. I would probably do a lot more mass teaching where I've got everybody watching me and I teach the skill 
with one of my better players that understands what we're doing and then send everybody to their baskets to work on that skill. I think the secondary thing you could do is just break that into smaller groups uh, until you get comfortable with them understanding what they're doing and how they're going about doing it so that you can have them in the larger groups. So if you have a smaller group come in, it means obviously as a coach, you're working longer hours, but you bring in that, you, you, if you've got 20 kids, you bring in eight to 10 of them uh, and work them for a 20, 30 minute period. And then you've got the other eight to 10 coming in the next 20, 30 minute period. Um, so there's a lot of different ways and, and you hit the nail on the head. You've just got to figure out what's going to fit your situation best. And one thing that I really like about what you said was using those older players. You know, that's um, using those old, using those older players to uh, uh, hold the other players accountable. You know, so that's teaching them some responsibility and getting them involved uh, to make sure that everything is going like it's supposed to be going. Exactly. I think it's important that you have as many players involved as possible. You don't want to have a drill where you've got two players involved and 10 players watching. We want to get as many people involved and utilize that time and our resources in regards to facilities and coaches as best we possibly can. Okay. Well, now what I want to get into is it's summertime and players are playing AAU. They're playing travel ball. Um, and players also are still getting their skill development in. What would be, in your, in your opinion, the ideal situation or the ideal uh, ratio for a player to get skill development practice or practices versus playing um, a certain number of games? Another, TJ, another great question. And, you know, you, you don't want to be a guy that does nothing but work on skill development. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to be able to play the game. And the best way to learn how to play the game is to play. The one gripe I have with AAU and the number of games we play in the summer is that sometimes I do think we lose uh, context or connection with the fact that winning and losing needs Mm -hmm. to be important. Competing needs to be important. And sometimes we lose a game at 10 on Saturday and we're not too concerned about it because we're coming back and playing a game at two and six and, mm-hmm. you know, win good. If we lose good, it's more about how many touches and how many points I scored. Right. Where, uh, so I, I don't like that part of it, but I do like the concept of going out and playing games. Now, what is the exact ratio I don't know the answer to that, but I would say this. If I was going to err on one side or the other, I would err certainly on the side of spending more time working on skill development and less time playing games in the summer. But I do, I am a a big believer, I thoroughly believe that you've got to play three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five, and it needs to be done in competitive environments. Um. Balance. That's that's what's that's what's really important. You got to have balance. Every coach that I've interviewed, I've asked that question. Um, you know, they're saying this. They're, they're, we're all saying the same things. You know, um, 
you got to get a have you got to have a good balance. Players need to be able to get the skill development in, but at the same time, players have got to be able to get the game experience. And the one thing that a lot of coaches also are saying is about how players can play at ten. They can lose. It's not a big deal. They know they're going to play again in a few hours. And I think a lot of players are not that 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 loss that they when they experience a loss, it's like it's no big deal to them anymore. So that's something that that I'm seeing from coaches that's definitely uh, need to be changed and, and coaches are wanting to change. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So, so now let's say that um, there are going to be players out there that necessarily they won't be able to get with a skilled coach or maybe they don't have the opportunity to do skill development with their actual team coach or school coach, but they're wanting to do some skill development on their own. What advice would you give that player or even to that player's parent on how that kid can work on their game on their own and improve their skills? Send them to camp. Give them an opportunity to go to a really good teaching camp and keep a notebook. And what I mean by that, and we, we do that at our camps here, is that every time we introduce a drill and the teaching points of that drill, not only are we teaching those and putting our campers through them so that they can learn the feel and how to do the drill on their own, but we have them list that drill in their camp notebook and the teaching points in the camp notebook. And I'm a big believer of having them write it. We don't give them handouts. I think you learn and you retain much better when you write it yourself. Mm-hmm. And when I was going way back, we didn't have the things that obviously we have now, AAU and skill right. academies and skill coaches. Camps was how we did it. And that's something that I started doing as a young camper was keeping a notebook. And whether I was at home going to a day camp or whether I was staying on a college campus, attending a camp, when I got back home or I got back to the dorm room that evening, I took 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes and wrote down everything that we did that day and the things that I wanted that I thought could really help me as a basketball player. So now you go back home and it's kind of like your, uh, it's kind of like your prescription for success. You know, if you're, if you're sick and you go to the doctor and he gives you a prescription and you, but you only take the medication one or two days, you're probably not going to get better. It's important that once you go to camp and you learn a number of drills that you can do to help you become a better player that you follow that prescription and you continue to do it on a daily basis throughout the rest of the summer so that you can uh, improve your game so that you can improve yourself as a player. That, that, that would be my biggest recommendation. And then obviously in today's uh, world with the internet and technology, you can Google and find just about anything you want to find from a teaching point, how you want to go about it. I would think it would be so easy for a player or a parent to organize a workout for themselves. And then finally, there are so many skill development guys out there that are giving their time and just want to help kids get better that you can always find someone, uh, I think, that is qualified and very good to help you become a better basketball player. Yeah, I was talking to a coach recently, and I was um, we were discussing the same the same question, and I was saying that sometimes a parent just got to reach out, you know, just reach out to somebody, ask them for some a little bit of advice, 
Uh, majority of the coaches and trainers out there would, would love to help somebody, uh, give them a few ideas, give them a few drills, give them some pointers on what they can do on their own. Um, but I'm, you know, when when I was in middle school, junior high, there wasn't any skilled coaches. It was my dad taking me to the gym. He would drop me off at at uh, Hendricks College, and I would go in there on a Saturday morning, being there all day by myself and just playing basketball, um, and then learn from other players, older players I would play against. But you know, it's just going to camps. Sometimes you just need a ball in a basket. And just go out there on your own, the black top or in your driveway, and just and just work on different things to get better. Absolutely, there's no better place than going on your driveway. <laughs> I had a, I didn't have a, a goal in my driveway, but I had one in the backyard. It was it was grass, and uh, I can tell you this: it was hard dribbling on that grass. I tell my players now: I say, go in the back of your yard by the fence somewhere in the back, and just find your little area and dribble the basketball and see how hard it is. <laughs> Definitely, uh, it definitely makes it a lot easier when you're handling it against that guy that's up in your grill trying to take it away from oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we ask our players all the time to improve their game, do extra things, uh, get up extra shots. But I also think it's very important for us coaches to always try to improve our craft and get better, become better teachers and better coaches. So, Coach, what do you like to do? Uh, to continue to learn and improve your craft? Do you have a, a circle of coaches or mentors you like to go to and, and, and talk to about, about the game? What do you do to continue to learn and improve? I think it's extremely important that you're staying fresh and current and that you're staying on the cutting edge of what's being, uh, what's being introduced, terminology, different ways to teach skill development, and um, there are a number of different ways to do that. Going to clinics, going to camps, uh, going and observing skill development guys working on their craft and teaching. And um, that that's some of the way that we have really, I think, helped our skill development in our own practices as a college program is having gone out and observed guys who are doing just skill development. That's their role. That's their job as a coach and you can garner so many great teaching points, terminology, ways to get things done from, from those guys. Um, the camps has been really good for us. We worked a, the snow Valley basketball camp in Iowa for the last four years. And uh, you've got, you've got the best guys in the country coming in and working at that camp, whether it be NBA guys or, skill development guys or conditioning guys. And it's uh, that's been a really good avenue for us to stay fresh, to stay current. Um, I think, again, we mentioned this earlier, uh, getting on the Internet and researching. Um, there's so much out there now that we didn't have before that there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse not to become the best coach and best teacher you can become with all that is available to us today. I keep hearing a lot of good things about the uh, Snow Valley camps. Um, I've heard that from, from several different different coaches about how it's a, it's a great place to be, just to continue to learn. It's also great for the players, but I've also heard great things about it. Uh, Learning-wise, that and Point Guard College, I've heard great things about, about both, of those, both of those camps for, uh, for coaches. Two great – you just named two great camps, and – uh, I've not been involved in point guard 
college, but I have some friends that are that speak very highly of it and then haven't had the opportunity to be involved with Coach Showalter and Coach Lawbaugh and Coach Locke at, uh, at Snow Valley. That is, uh, that's an incredible teaching environment that they do a great, great job with. Well, Coach, I truly appreciate your time and, and the valuable information you shared with us today. But before I let you go, I got one more question I want to ask you, and then I'll let you share some additional skill development advice you have for anybody, and then you can let everyone know how they can connect with you through social media if they want to contact you or ask any questions. Okay, great. So your question is, you get a chance to coach your ultimate basketball team. You can pick any players from any era, dead or alive, male or female. Who are the five players you are picking to be on your team? Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a good one. Well, what, I'm definitely going to start with Michael Jordan. Okay. He is uh, someone that, that I grew up with and – and, and got to see through his, his heyday as a player. And, mm-hmm. you know, having, having had the opportunity, I'm kind of in the middle here where I, you know, I, I, I started watching uh, basketball in the NBA when you had uh, the Elgin Baylors and the Oscar Robertsons and the uh, Chamberlains and, and, and even a little bit of Dave Cowens and, and those guys playing and then the modern game today with Steph Curry and LeBron and, you know, the Tim Duncans and Timmy Parkers and Tony Parkers, the number of guys that are out there that are just great players. But I would always start that team with Michael Jordan. Um, it, he may not be have all the attributes that a LeBron James has, but Michael Jordan's a winner. He's oh, going to yeah. find a way for your team to win. He's the ultimate competitor, and he is, in my mind, the best player of all time from there that that's where it gets really difficult Uh, you know going back in my day you know obviously being from West Virginia Jerry West has got to find a place on that team Mr. Logo he's got to be on somewhere Uh, Oscar Robertson I think is one of the best all-time players ever ever so he's got to find a place on it and then you can't leave LeBron James out he's just so good so yeah, just so good. I mean, there's no other way to explain it. Uh, but you got to have a big, and um, as good as Bill Russell and as good as Will Chamberlain were, and and I got to see Chamberlain when he was really, really good. I just don't know that I've seen a better big man, including Timmy Duncan, than than Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was just one of the one of the best I've ever seen, and. Uh, so skilled, so athletic, so good. And somehow I found a way to leave Larry Bird off this team. So, <laughs> you know, you just, that's a, that's a great question. It's a great, uh, it's a, it's a great uh, topic to have sitting around the table because everybody oh, yeah. has a little bit of a different team. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and that's, that's the beauty of that question. You know, you can go as far back as you want, um, I've had one coach tell me he would put his family on that team. He would just, just be his family. Um, but you got a really nice squad, a really nice team here. Um, you know, when we were talking about LeBron James, um, people that know basketball, that really know the game, they understand the skills and the ability that he has and the, and the things that he's been able to do is just 
You know, it's just unbelievable. And I think 10, 15 years down the road, you know, 20 years down from now, uh, people will look back and see how, a, how special of a player that he really is. I don't know if anybody's going to say he's ever going to be greater than Michael Jordan, but just the things that he's able to do on the court, uh, being able to play any of the five positions, is just, it's just phenomenal. It really is. And, and as you well know, there are a lot of people right now that believe that he is the best all time and certainly uh, better than Michael Jordan. I just have a personal preference for uh, for MJ. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it don't matter what LeBron does. Michael Jordan <laughs> will always be at the top of the list. Yeah, well, you know, when, when, when you look at MJ, he's been to six NBA finals, never lost, never been to a game seven. But then you look at – Look at LeBron. He's been to five in a row. You know, uh-huh. he's won two of those. He's lost three, but he's been to five in a row. Um, you know, that's in today's times, that's that's hard to do. That's really hard to do. Well, Coach, do you have any other advice you would like to give anybody that's listening, any coaches or parents or players that's listening about skill development, and then let them know how they can connect with you through uh, social media? I just think the, the most important thing is that you're you're getting out and you're working on your game and you've got um, you've got a direction to go. Uh, I think it's important that you don't just go out and throw up shots for an hour mm-hmm. uh, and think that that's improving your game. You need to have a plan in effect, and it's always great if you can have a coach, a skill development coach, a parent that's knowledgeable. To, to help you develop that plan on what you're going to do to improve as a player. And when I say have a plan, you know, decide, okay, I'm going to become a better three-point shooter over the next uh, six weeks, and that's going to be my primary objective, where I'm going to become a better uh, – I'm going to increase, improve my footwork defensively over the next six weeks. So whatever that might be that you have, uh, that you have direction. Uh, Because I think so often we do kind of what you and I did. We just go out on our driveway or we, our pops drops us off at the gym and we're there for four hours and we're just kind of playing, but we don't really have a plan and we don't really know what we want to do. We just know we want to be the best players we can be. Right. And today there's so much available to us for us not to be able to, to be the best player possible. Um, So that would be my biggest advice, I think, to, to anyone who's trying to become um, a better basketball player. All right, so that was my interview with Coach Jim Boone from the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith. And, again, that was a replay. That episode was actually several years old when he was coaching at Delta State University. Uh, But, again, a lot of things he talked about is still relevant to today, still some great information, still very valuable. So if you coach a team, a middle school, junior high, high school, AAU team, and you're struggling with skill development – in a team setting, I'm sure you picked up some nice, some nice gems, some nice, some nice pointers, some nice tips uh, from Coach Jim Boone. So, another great episode. Um, I cut it off at the end, um, right before he gave his his social media. So I'm going to give that to you. Um, if you are on Twitter, you can find Coach Jim Boone by following him. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Coach Jim Boone. That's at Coach Jim Boone. And Boone is spelled B-O-O-N-E. There's an E on the end. So it's at Coach Jim Boone. I am also on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on both of those platforms. It's at N-B-N-B-Ball. 
Now, uh, I need a favor from everyone. Um, I need you to uh, make sure you subscribe to the show, whether it's through Stitcher, whether it's through Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever your favorite platform, uh, podcast platform, or whichever one you prefer. I need you to follow me. Um, I need you to subscribe. Excuse me. I need you to subscribe to the show. And also, I need a five-star rating. I need as many five-star ratings as I can get. Um, I feel like we're giving you some some value. We're having some great interviews, some great coaches come on and, and share some great information. Um, so I want this. I want this to continue to grow. I want this to grow. I want as many coaches and parents and players to know about the show and to hear about it and to be able to tune in on a weekly basis, be able to get some great nuggets on uh, on skill development. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow me on, on social media. And most importantly, make sure you give me a five-star rating. Well, that is it. We will have an interview next week. I have a couple of people that I'm, I'm lining up and, and trying to get trying to get scheduled, trying to finalize the schedule. So we will have a, a updated episode next week. So until then, thank y'all and God bless.